and welcome to episode 58 of Slaytanic Vercast. I'm Mo from France, and to my west, broadcasting live from the unvaccinated underground survival bunker somewhere in the heart of the Rhineland, is Dr. Liquescence. How are you doing, Doc? Uh, well, um, as you can imagine, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in my element here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, having immunity to diseases as yet unknown to medical science. <laughs> that, that, that's uh, a bold statement, Doc. Yeah, um, I'm actually immune to at least 32,000 diseases that only I know about. Yeah, absolutely, um, yeah. Mostly because I created almost mm. all of them mm. um, in, in, uh, in my evil disease laboratory. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, which um, I've got to say, if I can ever actually re-enter it, um, you know, when, when, when I found a way of subduing the cacodemons that, that uh, infested it the last time I opened that gateway to hell, mm. um, if I'm ever able to re-enter it, uh, I, I could, if I so wished, um, solve all the disease problems on Earth in, you know, sort of a, a, a very few human lifetimes. Um, so um, I'm, I'm here just to, to cackle and gloat. <laughs> um, yeah. How are the unvaccinated, Doc? Naive. Are they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, some of them are smiling. Mm. Um, some of them haven't even yet gone mad. Mm-hmm. How um, are they coping with not being able to go to the cinema? Because that seems to be the main threat. Really? Mm. There's, um, most of them are like human beings all over the world. They're, they're, they're hunched over their cell phones and they seem to be perfectly happy. Oh, fair enough. Oh, that's, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Yeah. Um, anything going on outside of your dastardly plans for the unvaccinated, Doc? Well, um, here's a question relating to cinema, actually. Um, obviously, it's, 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 it's a place I, uh, I rarely venture. Um, unless there's a, uh, a revival showing of the blob somewhere, because then I can sort of like pass for um, a, a, a sort of William Castle stunt. Dave, Doc Hallen's been killed. Doc Hallen, what happened? It's over at his place, you gotta come now. Oh, wait a minute, Steve, tell us what happened. Well, I'm trying to tell you. Now this thing had killed the doc. Well, what was it? Stop with it, kid. But it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a mass that keeps getting bigger and bigger. It... <laughs> Every one of you watching this screen, look out. Because soon, very soon, the most horrifying monster menace ever conceived will be oozing into this theater. Teenagers see it first, like a falling star from outer space. Boy, that was close. Hey, come on, I want to see if I can find it. An old man finds it, touches it, and this is the shocking result. From then on, there's no stopping the blob as it spreads from town to town. It's indestructible. It's indescribable. Nothing can stop it. This town is in danger. How can it be stopped? 
mob hysteria sweeps one city. Before long, the nation and then the world could fall before the blood-curdling threat of the mob. Starring Steve McQueen and a cast of exciting young people. And people in the audience um, think it's absolutely fascinating that, that they've, they've actually got someone to like wear a really convincing blob costume. Um, Here's a question, the, Doc. B- b- yeah, before you before you finish this, how did they manage to convince Steve McQueen to be in that film? Um, well, uh, I think in those days he was just another jobbing actor who was right. like uh, sort of looking for for something to to earn a crust and to make an impression um, yeah. and. I think probably aware of the fact that James Dean and Marlon Brando had sort of made their name as juvenile delinquents in teen targeted films. Mm-hmm. Um, he thought, well, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll like be a bit of a hot rodder and uh, have a cool hairstyle and fight an alien blob. Fight <laughs> a blob? Why not? Yeah, go, go uh, on, know, Sorry. Um, as cool as James and Marlon were, they never fought an alien blob. No, they never did. No, you're right. Marlon um, Brando turned into an alien blob mm. in later <laughs> life. But, Very good. Uh, I, I, I don't ever remember him fighting one in a film. Mm. <laughs> uh, so what I wanted to ask you about cinema, um, has a new James Bond film come out and you and I haven't even noticed? Well, I definitely knew about it. Um, I've heard the, like, the, 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 the theme song You bleed is just the blood you own We were a pair But I saw you there Too much to bear You were my life, but life is far away Was I stupid to love you? Was I reckless to help? Was it obvious to everybody else that I i 
fully aware of its existence. It's the last Daniel Craig film. Um, I, well, I mean, two, actually two reasons um, that I haven't seen it. Reason number one kind of relates to our kind of opening gambit. I wouldn't be allowed to go into the cinema because I won't fucking cooperate. Reason number two, it's two hours, 45 minutes long. What the, what are they fucking thinking, Doc? Uh, two hours, 45 minutes is too damn long. It is. Um, I mean, two, Majesty- two hours is two hours. Sure, that's a cutoff point for a Bond movie, isn't it? On Her Majesty's Secret Service, it's two and a half hours. Ah, yeah, um, that's a good one. But, but, but it drags but- its heels in places. This never happened to the other fella. No. Um, it's got a lot going on. It's got a lot going. I, I, I don't think it drags its heels at all. Um, I, th- it- I think it's got some of my favourite Bond moments of all times. It's up there. It's in my top five Bond movies. But, but you know, there, there are bits where I, I do think, just come on, get on with it. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. Um, we'll, uh, we'll get into that another time. Sure. Because uh, it, it, um, it's, um, it's coming up to Christmas. And it's one of those films I try to get around to watching about every, once every five Christmases. Sure. <laughs> good, yeah. Because um, it, it's, it's, it's got such a feel-good ending to set, to, to set you up for the holiday season, you see. Mm. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Real kind of feel-good. <laughs> Real feel-good factor, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's a, it, it sort of fits with a, a, a nice romantic comedy ending to go along with the holiday or Love Actually or something that's like right. that. That's yeah. 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 Um, so and it is obviously, of course, set at Christmas time, mm. um, mostly. Um, it's got snow in it, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but um, but no, I, I don't even know how I, how I became aware of this because obviously, going to see James Bond films uh, as soon as possible, as, as close as possible to the day of release, was something that that you and I used to do when I was human, wasn't it? I know that's right. Yeah, I, I, I remember many many. Um pleasing conversations in the, the Shakespeare, maybe in Birmingham, post-Bond. Definitely. Yeah. Um, or um, uh, the old Contemptibles more often. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is that pub um, still thriving, Doc? I, I do hope so. It's a, it's a personal favourite. I hate to tell you this. Um, it's had a makeover and become respectable. Oh, no. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. One of the worst things I've heard this week. I bet you your feet don't even stick to the floor anymore. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely great. And, you know, I bet you when you go to the bar and ask for a pint, um, I bet you a polite man will ask you what kind of beer you'd like as opposed to going, fuck off or yeah. why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So obviously, the, the new Bond film is uh, one new. When we say new in quotes, I think I think it's been in this. It, it, it was released in the cinema about a month and a half ago. I think Doc. Um, no time to die. Um, Daniel Craig's swan song. Um, I don't know, Doc. I don't. Just that runtime just really, really, really bothers me. You know, I've, we've had many conversations that the optimum length for any film is 85 minutes. minutes. Oh, you, you oh, think 70? Oh. I'd, I'd be generous and go 85 minutes. Between um, 78 and 85 is acceptable. Okay, there we go. Um, um, know, the so, only reason yeah. I say 78 and not 85 is that Day of the Dead is 85 minutes. Really, it could, the, the seven minutes it could really lose um, would be the seven minutes out of the third ten-minute meeting scene. Mm. Oh yes, fair enough. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, just unacceptable. Two and three-quarter hours. You know, respect people's time. It seems to be a modern preoccupation that, that, that if something is longer, it is somehow better. You know, I mean, better albums better. albums suffer from this, don't they? Video games certainly do. And I think movies are, you know, for, for the past 10 or 15 years have started to go down this path too. It's, it, it's, reason, it's total nonsense. The reason I've not been terribly enthusiastic about it, I never trust any film that has such a long genesis and has so many writers and fires so many production staff. Mm, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it, it's, been, it's been being made for a suspiciously long amount of time and ha- hasn't it had about 37 directors or something? Well, I, th- I think, I mean, you know, just off the top of my head, I think Danny Boyle was attached at some point. I think Edgar Wright was attached at some point um, and both walked away, presumably because, you know, uh, the Broccoli family wouldn't give them the, the control that they would obviously insist upon. Yeah, uh, so, uh, and uh, presumably they uh, they couldn't even um, get the man with the... Um, the extremely uh, uh, obtruse erection. You, you're going to have to help me there, Doc, with that reference. Mr. Spotterswood. Mr. Spot, he, of, oh, honestly, honestly, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to put some tumbleweed sand in there. <laughs> just, just for fun, man. Yeah, very good, Doc. <laughs> Very, very good. Doc, what have you been listening to? Um, nothing very exciting, nothing very relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, I have acquired a new album by um, one of my Batburner favourites, um, which is um, 
uh, Yaz Ahmed, um, mm-hmm. and she is a, um, I want to say Omani, um, flugelhorn player. Wow. Um, somewhere in the Middle East. Um, I'll have to uh, prep Chow by saying Omani. It, it, um, Brunei. Maybe not Brunei. Um, one of those little Middle Eastern places, anyway. Sure. She's mm-hmm. from there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, she, um, if I had to characterize it to someone, uh, I'd always say it was something probably like June of 44 or tortoise, um, but with the flugel horn. Mm. It's such a great word, isn't it? The flugel horn. It's so brilliant. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't even imagine how it sounds. I've, I've heard it before. Um, but I, I can't quite pin in my mind what it sounds like. Dear listener, I suspect there will be a, a, a brief sample of it right here. Any particular track, or is, is that a silly question? Um, the what the, the, the starting place, um, it's the track I heard uh, in a coffee shop, and I felt moved to ask the proprietor, This is great, what's this? Mm-hmm. And uh, by good luck, um, the poor guy behind the, uh, behind the counter actually knew and told me, um, and it's, uh, it's called Organ Eternal. And I hope it does for you what it did for me. Fantastic, Doc. What, 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 a, what a great... I, I love your kind of uh, real left, left-wing left suggestions, Doc. It's brilliant. Because mine, um, what I've been listening to, is much more um, orthodox. But I, I, I think it's still cause for celebration. Doc, Carcass have only gone and dropped a new fucking album. What a moment. What? I know. What a moment in life that is, Doc. Yeah. What a Christmas present. I know. Absolutely great. Um, it's called Torn Arteries.
was released on the... I say they dropped it like it was this week, but no, 17th of September of this year. Um, it's <clears throat> a continuation on a theme because about four years ago, they released an album um, called Surgical Steel, um, which is really, really good. Um, oh. I mean, surprisingly good, Doc, you know... Um, you know, we kind of you know, we're, we're, when these bands from back in the day suddenly kind of reform and decide to pump out some new material, there there is always that element of scepticism, isn't there? Of course, um, but Surgical Steel was, was was a fine effort. In fact, I've just looked I've just looked at the page here. It was actually 2013, so much longer ago than I thought. Um, I mean, the standout track on that album. Let me just get the title right here. Um, I always get the, 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 the first two words in the wrong order. Um, granulating dark satanic mill. <laughs> fantastic but 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 that's off their prior album um and that you because i don't know if you knew this doc i'm pretty sure this is right carcass are like a fully vegan death metal band <laughs> um you know as if the two things can't go hand in hand but um but, but you know and, and, and so that granulating dark satanic mills is obviously a track about abattoirs um yeah um, i knew uh, i knew at the very least that um bill steer was a mm. sort of um anarcho-vegan mm. um and he's been arrested a ton of times for being on animal rights protests and things well, like I, that I, I just didn't know that they just passed me by somehow yeah uh, I, I, they're, they're, they're pretty for real about it yeah um, yeah they that track that, that track the, uh, the 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 satanic mills track the the chorus is just a a string of numbers like seven or eight numbers and apparently it's um it's a number that they saw on some kind of packaging on one of their for like illegal forays into an abattoir in order to um like obtain kind of behind the scenes footage as it were um oh wow and, and it's a cracking, it's a really, really good song as well. Um, so torn arteries. Um, this I'm is sorry, where... mate. Oh, go on, Doc. I know it's, I, I know it's no. I, I, I know animal cruelty isn't any subject for humour, <laughs> but I love the idea of Bill Steer or any other member of Carcass, for that matter, um, like disguising themselves in um, like protective clothing or something, and and, and sneaking into an abattoir. Because I mean, they're, they're, they're such bland-looking individuals; they could fit in anywhere, couldn't they? Oh, that's right. Of course, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, yeah. It's not like <laughs> it's not like he looks like the fucking Kurgan, is it?
<laughs> You're quite right, Doc. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Um, so torn arteries is their latest offering. So after you know, so they went quiet for eight years, and and, and then they've kind of unleashed this upon the world. I've only had a chance to, to listen to it twice, um, so you know I haven't really got my teeth into it. But it is rock solid. Um, I would say it is a, like a smorgasbord of all of the best bits from necrotism. Identifying the bodies which are decomposed, dismembered, skeletonized, We've had many cases in this department where a body has been found in pieces or decomposed, and we've been able to put things together. Yeah, they're heavy, upper part of the body in a very badly decomposed state. one song. From their last three kind of, I, I suppose you know the, the, the albums from their classic era pre-Surgical Steel. Um, it's it's harder than Surgical Steel. It's more it's more grindy than Surgical Steel is. Um, it's nowhere near as melodic. But every so often they will drop in like a like, like you know like a death and roll 
riff and and and, and then just like a sublime piece of melody um so th- th- that's why i think it takes you through those three albums doc it's it's fucking great from what i can hear from, from what i've heard so i'm going to ask you did you make an intentionally awful vegan joke then what did i say well, when you describe the album as being a uh, a smorgasbord, so in other words, like a, uh, a, a cold meat buffet. <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I really didn't. I'm sorry, but Bill Steer, please forgive me. No, I didn't do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's yeah, that's what I've been listening to. Doc, do you want a topic? Yes, please. We've got no chow time, by the way, this time because we we, we oh. haven't had a chance to edit, so no no chow time. Fucking good. Yeah, beer, exactly. Um, so give me give me a number, please, sir, between one and seven. One, please. Um, once here we go. A couple of caveats here: songs by bands that you love, on albums that you love, that you hate. What about that one? Oh, songs by albums that I love. By bands that you love. That I love by bands that I love. That's it. Um, I absolutely hate. Yeah. Um, I've got a couple of candidates coming down the pipe here. Would you mind going first? Yeah, I, I think two each will be enough. Um, you know, do, 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 time is ever the enemy. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit piss obvious, but I, I, I just think, I think we kind of have to get it out of the way. But it's dissident aggressor, isn't it? album you love well really well I, I think so i mean I, I love a good chunk of it yeah um you know and even though i don't think it's slayer's finest hour you know i think bad slayer is generally still great music um but that track that track just i mean just sucks so hard it, it is it, it's near near damn unforgivable but of course We've pumped a lot of time already into talking about that song, so maybe maybe no, no need to repeat myself. Yeah, um, it's it's a difficult one for me. Um, I mean, it, it's easy for me to think of um, bands that I putatively like who've mm-hmm. dropped a whole entire album that I really dislike. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I generally, um, I, I mean, this this is a bit unsatisfying, really. I, I, I'd really hope to come up with like a, a, a good example of a band who are normally spot on in terms of the lyrical content music etc 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 um and then go completely out of character for a song mm-hmm. um uh, the track kitty empire uh from songs about fucking by big black sure
and it's uh, generally speaking, when 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 Mr. Albini gets involved in anything, um, he's he applies the most merciless quality control to himself, and he he, he lets very little sort of, of of his own bullshit get 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 through. Um, and there's this there's a lesser offender called Strange Things on the Atomizer album, and then you, you you've got this track Kitty uh, Kitty Empire um, on the second side of songs about fucking, and it's. Um, I'm about to say this with a straight face about a song by Big Black. It's nothing but noise, uh-huh. <laughs> um, <clears throat> which I'm aware of the fact is all most people can hear in it anyway. Um, but it's it's a self-indulgent mess, and mm. like it would have been it would have been a waste of vinyl on a B-sides and outtakes compilation. Um, and what it's doing on like a, a, a full-strength album. It's sort of one of those examples of times when people you can normally trust to do a certain thing, i.e. police their own bullshit. Um, some have completely failed to do that. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, yeah, um, it's a track I really hate on an album I really like by a band I really like. Sure. Yeah, it's a great example. Though. Yeah, Kitty Empire is, is not one that sticks long in the memory for me. Um, you know, I, I, I like Big Black a lot. I'm not, you know, quite as avid a fan as you are but but you know but strong contender you know in, in my mind for one of you know one of the bands that kind of influenced me musically the most i mean they're you know they're they're, they're in the top five or six aren't they um and kitty empire well, no, it's, not, it's not a strong one is it doc no i mean you can't even say, well, they were trying to do something because, you know, at their best, every one of their songs sounds completely different. Mm-hmm. Every single song on side A of the album sounds completely different from each other and different from anything they'd ever done before. Yeah. So you, uh, you, can't, you, you can't even say, oh, it's an experiment uh, that didn't work properly. You can't even say um, it's, it's, it's them trying to do something that their fans didn't expect because mm-hmm. that's what they do with every song they write anyway. It, it, it's... It's either filler um, or it's a, a, an, an indulgent mess. In any case, mm-hmm. it, it, it deserved to have been strangled at birth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, a strong, a strong end to, to that sentence from the doc there. Um, uh, I've, I've probably been listening to, to a bit too much Big Black in my life. You know? That's right. Um, my second one and final one for today will be um, a track called. The Pierced Spirit. Now, this is by Iced Earth. What, what do you know about Iced Earth, Doc? Um, well, they're, they're, um, they're power metal, aren't they? 
Mm-hmm. Are they power yep. metal? Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Power so, heavy metal, basically, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, ton of Maiden influences, mm-hmm. uh, but a bit more Scandinavian. Um, <clears throat> are there keyboards? Um, not often. I mean, they're, they're not averse to keyboards. I don't think they're allergic to them. But they're not Scandinavian, don't they? are Americanized earth, importantly. But they want to be Scandinavian. But they want to, of course, as every every sensible soul on earth does. <laughs> um, I get the impression that they badly want to be Scandinavian. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether we know their family names, but are they by any definition of Scandinavian descent? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. You've got John... Well, Schaffer is German-sounding, isn't he? Certainly Germanic. Um, yeah. But then Matt Barlow is, you know, very... <laughs> Did his grandmother grow up on Coronation Street? <laughs> I know, I know, Doc. Um, what else we got? Oh, we got fuck it out. On drums, you check this name, man. You can't be a member of the heroic power metal band with a family named Barlow. What the <laughs> fuck didn't he change it? Um, on drums, why didn't, we've he got... change, why, why didn't he change it to... You know, uh, Matt Warrior or uh, <laughs> Matt Swordmaster or something like that. I know, I know. On drums, we've got Rodney Beasley. Oh, yeah. for God's sake. He's probably not. Oh, for He's like the... He, he sounds like the slightly soft in the head, slightly simple lad who helps out in his auntie's corner shop in Barnsley. <laughs> Absolutely great, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Produ- production duties were by Tom Morris. Honestly, though. <laughs> we're in a world of pain. We're in a world of pain, yeah. yeah. Do you mean to say that there isn't even anyone called, uh, like, a Mikkel Thornburg or something in no, there? No, 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 not, oh, not, not, not a whiff of the Scandies in sight, unfortunately. Um, anyway, carry on. Anyway, um, <clears throat> The Pierce Spirit is, I think it's the last track. Um, no, sorry, the last but one track from their third album, which is Burnt Offerings. Um, it's only one minute 54 seconds long. It's an acoustic piece, which is not a bad thing, but it's accompanied by some of the most kind of ghastly, melodramatic, bloated, pompous wailing from the singer. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's so awful, Doc. It just it makes my fucking toes curl. Um, I'm, I'm going to trolley for a second here, mate. Go on. I'm going to say... Um, if you're offended by pompous, bloated, melodramatic wailing, what the fuck are you doing fucking with power metal in the first place? <laughs> I know, I know. But normally, Matt, Mr. Matt Barlow here, um, you know, his voice is an acquired taste. There's no doubt about it. And, and I have acquired the taste. And so when they're ripping along, you know, at, at pace, um, I think his voice sounds fine. But here... Everything's slowed down, the distortion's gone, and it's just kind of the, the acoustic guitar exposed and his voice exposed. And it just sounds fucking ghastly. It's it's I don't know what they were thinking. I generally don't like it when nominally electric bands play acoustic guitars anyway. Mm, mm. Um, it, it's, it's it's sort of one of those things that's that's, that's guaranteed to piss me off. Um but but, but there are obvious examples you know think about um blessed are the sick doc you know there are two or three 
acoustic interludes in the album that are so fucking sinister. interludes those are instrumental pieces uh, fair enough yeah mm-hmm. um and just what you said that that they're interludes that that they're, they're there to set up the atmosphere for um before fall from grace <laughs> example um i figure i should try to stay as close to the spirit of your question as i can so i'm going to pick my other beloved band my other beloved album um which has an absolute stinker of a track on it band is joy division um Mm -hmm. album is closer um Mm -hmm. and the second track which is isolation
once again, it's one of those, what the fuck were you people even thinking? Mm. Um, I mean, um, I'm going to go into some NME cliches now. Um, the album is like as perfect and cold and icy and forbidding um, as a block of white marble. Mm -hmm. That's the closest you could, that, that, like, and the whole album just leaves you worn out. Mm. Um, when I was a younger man and more resilient, when I was a man and more resilient, mm -hmm. um, I used to listen to it quite frequently. I can, like, I, I, I have to gear up to it and I can, like, sort of get myself in the right frame of mind to deal with it about once a year at best nowadays because it's just such a harrowing thing to try and get through. Except for this track number two, um, which, uh, you know, I think would have had 1982 vintage Depeche Mode probably saying, um, you know, um, put some thought into it, put your backs into it. Um, you can do something with a bit more emotional resonance to it than that. The same as the previous one. It's one of those things that sticks out so badly like a sore thumb um, and sits so ill at ease with the rest of the album and is so bad. Um, I have no idea what anyone involved in that album was even thinking of letting it on there in the first place, particularly since allegedly they left off um, the, the mighty ceremony, which eventually became New Order's first single. in favour of this one. What? Right, yeah. <clears throat> How do you feel about skipping a track on an album? You know, if you, if you don't like it, or, or, or are you a purist that, you know, I've listened to the album, come what may, or will you skip it? I'll skip a track, Doc. I will skip the, the Pierce Spirit, because then it leads on to the, the absolutely sensational 17-minute epic Dante's Inferno, by the way.
so it depends on the album. Um, I listen to lots and lots of Japanese city pop from the 1970s and 1980s, mm-hmm. lots and lots of it. And a lot of those albums, uh, I will, I, I can skip. And I mean, a lot of the albums, I can skip five or six or seven out of 10 tracks. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, any one of those albums can easily, it, it's, it's a rare and magical thing when you find one of those albums where nine out of 10 tracks are really worth listening to. Mm. Mm. Um, in their defense, those albums are collections of songs by people who were already popular at that time. So effectively, they were albums that were, ba- that, that, that were made to support the two singles or mm-hmm. maybe even the three singles. Um, I've never bothered researching um, I don't need to go into it that deeply, but I bet you on the very weakest albums, the three, so- the, the, the three songs that I end up hiving off for, a, for my compilation tape um, are the three songs that were actually the singles when the album came out. Yeah. And the rest of it's supporting material and filler because the market would support an album and the fans wanted an album. Fair enough. Got no complaints with that. Um, but you, you get these sort of... Um, oh, God, this sounds pompous. You get these very important albums um, that have at various points in your life meant a great deal to you um, and some of them still do and you you desperately want the whole album to be not just 90% perfect you want it to be 100% 100% perfect mm-hmm. um, you know a bad track by Joy Division is still better than most music I've ever heard in my life this is um, the thing isn't it you know we, 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 we're kind of talking degrees of excellence aren't we yeah um, and, but when you listen to like the two albums I've just been talking about and the, the, they're made by people, um, and at least the recording engineer, a bleak producer, um, are tyrannical quality control fiends. Um, and it's amazing to me how these people's critical faculties can just so utterly desert them. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, I, I can't help thinking of that track as being um, an early morning, very early in January, um, when the pink grey light is just illuminating a fresh snowfall, and there's a fox turd right in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, great image, Doc. Great image. Doc, let's move on. Uh, don't forget, guys, you can contact us on Twitter at Vercast or on email at slightanitvercast at gmail.com. Let's get on with the show. Okay, welcome to part two of the show. Here we're going to play the track, of course, and pause it from time to time. And the Doc is going to illuminate us with his massive brain. Today's track <laughs> is, of course... Track eight from Seasons in the Abyss, Temptation. Here we go, Doc. Let's go. Friends, before we get started, um, Mo isn't inferring that I'm intelligent or anything. I'm able to illuminate you with my massive brain because it actually glows. It glows in the dark, and it's it's huge, and it's absolutely disgusting, Doc, and I I really think you need to do something about it. (laughs) Let's get get on with the track. Did you hear the majesty there, Doc, no, by the way? Um, I heard Dave being magisterial. <laughs> That's it. Uh, was that what you were referring to? It was. Let's, let's do it again. Here we go. Here we go. 
something new going on here, haven't we, Doc? We've never heard this before from Slayer. Dual vocals? Yeah, this kind of weird, kind of echoey vocal. So, you know, Tom's vocal kicks in before the place in the track where it really should kick in. And it's faded down into the mix. And then you kind of... So the echo is... It's almost like a reverse echo, isn't it, basically? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Except it's nothing as crude as an echo. Is it? It's, it's a separately recorded vocal, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and... and this all came about. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna acknowledge Bommy Reader. This all came about um, because of a, a, a two factors: a disagreement amongst the band, and then like a technical snafu. I'm gonna read you something here from um, from Wikipedia. Here we go. Uh, track eight, Temptation. This is from uh, the, the main seasons in the Abyss Wikipedia page. Um, track eight, Temptation. Featured an, an overdub of lead vocalist Tom Araya singing. The vocal arrangement on the track was unintentional. Araya sang the song twice. Once the way he felt it sounded best. The second time at the insistence of Kerry King, the way he thought it should be sung. By accident, both tracks were played back simultaneously. King liked the way it sounded together. And so it was felt that they should use it that way for the final version. How about that, Doc? So just like a, a bit of serendipity, basically. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, when Slayer, Slayer in particular, do something as unusual as this, mm. um, I always want to get to know um, what... Normally when a band do something as unusual as this, I want to know what new piece of equipment they had in the studio. <laughs> yeah, good, yeah. Or, or uh, what new album or band or artist that they'd heard recently that, that, that's i was coming my, to this yeah that's where my head goes as well yeah um, or what new influence mm. um, they had so i mean the i think probably the most famous example and one of the most standout examples to me is and i'm pretty sure it's the third album by the Jimi hendrix experience mm -hmm. um, and halfway through rehearsing the album jim dunlop um had just invented the the wah wah pedal he just invented right. the cry yeah. Um, and obviously the, the biggest hotshot guitarist in the world was in town at the time. Um, and who are you going to present your prototype to, to say, try this and see what you make of it? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, 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 you know, Mr. Hendrix was not shy with a Wawa, was he? Well, no. Um, but, uh, I mean, that's, that's the first use of the first recording of the first Jim Dunlop crybaby in the world. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, so, I mean, that, that's that's the most egregious example of it, mm -hmm. um, or the, the example that springs most uh, most readily to mind. I won't, I, 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 I won't say the mean thing that, that, that I was about to say, which is, you know, and, and many crimes against music have been committed since uh, because of it. Uh, well, yeah, uh, many crimes. Yes, uh -huh. definitely. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so they have. Um, yeah. But, I mean, um, here's the thing. Um, when you talk about a, a piece of technology that has a reach far beyond not merely its own genre, but beyond its own medium, um, would 70s pornography have existed without the Jim Dunlop crybaby? Well, I mean, I think it would certainly have existed, Doc, but it would be a very, very different beast, wouldn't it? Yeah, and I mean, would um, 70s action movies mm. have, have, have been even remotely... Like, 
can you imagine Dirty Harry without the existence of the Jim Dunlop crybaby in the world? Well, you know, did, I mean, you mentioned like seventies pornography. You know, the, the the universal the universal sign that we're talking about pornography. Somebody just goes wah, 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 don't they? You know, and then we yes. know we're talking about seventies porn. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's just one of those things, isn't it, that goes along with um, like nylon shirts with big collars and white people with afros and those little. <laughs> Uh, those little like ankh-shaped coke spoons that hang around your neck, mm. um, and you can't look at those things without subliminally imagining the sound of. <laughs> right, you got it. Yeah, oh, Dirty Harry. That's a yeah, brilliant reference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, on the previous track, um, we suspected, did we not, that Slayer may uh, um, may have been given like um, a bit of a sneak preview of the new recording by the hottest new kids on the block and that, that they'd, they'd probably like heard some morbid angel maybe mm. before anyone else heard some mm. morbid angel. That's right, yeah. Not quite mm -hmm. solos, basically. Not quite yeah. solos. You know, the yeah. famous Treya Zakthoff, not quite solos. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, which is nice because Treya Zakthoff is obviously very, very influenced by Kerry King in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, even though Treya Zakthoff claims to be only influenced by, oddly enough, Jimi Hendrix and Paganini and Mozart and Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> yeah, I mean Eddie, Eddie Van Halen is massive, isn't it? In in, in his um, pantheon of, of great guitarists. Yeah, yes. but, I remember reading a an interview with him where he was talking about the fact you know they were saying how how did you how did something like how did you develop your sound and what do you call your sound and he kept talking about lava. Um, you know, <laughs> I, you know, I developed the sound by looking at lava, um, and I, and I call my guitar sound lava, which is why I'm obsessed by lava. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and he ascribed the whole thing to a combination of <laughs> massive quantities of LSD and Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I remember another interview where he, spent, he said he spent his young teenage years, and I quote, taking LSD and listening to uh, Van Halen solos. <laughs> what Van Halen tracks? I just imagine uh, he had a tape of nothing but the solos that he yeah. spliced together one after yeah. another. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I'm also pretty sure it's on the Blessed Are the Sick album, and he's, he's got a list of people he thanks. Um, and... Um, David Vincent rather dodgily thanks a certain European leader of the recent past who should probably remain, uh, remain nameless. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Um, and Traitor Zagthoff, um, he, he meant Charles de Gaulle, mate. I'm mm. sure he meant Charles de Gaulle. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. Um, or maybe Mikhail Gorbachev, I don't know. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's sinister, yeah, go on. Yeah, um, and um, Trey Zagthoff thanks W.A. Mozart, E.V. Halen, <laughs> J.M. Hendrix, and Eric from Ripping Corpse, <laughs> <laughs> which I love. Yeah, that, I mean, Eric must have been absolutely stoked to be put in such company. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Come on, Doc, let's press on a little bit. Here we go. Play with your insanity, shatter your reality, pulsing in your blood. I can satisfy your greed, I'm 
the background are. I, I, another focal point is is the vocal delivery because of that unusual kind of echo style they're using. But just check out that riff in the background. It is it is potent, kind of catchy, hooky thrash metal, fucking perfection. Dog. It's brilliant. Here's a weird thing. You mentioned last week, and I agreed with you, and I agree with you now. This is never a song that you think of when you think of the of, of Slayer tracks. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, if I asked you, um, under pain of death, like before I shot your dog or something, <laughs> to get out the name of ten Slayer tracks in less than five seconds, I guarantee this would not be amongst them. No, you're right. It's odd, isn't it, how close this comes to being... If you had to describe Slayer to somebody, um, they're really fast, they're really intense, they're mm-hmm. not particularly heavy, but what sticks out about them um, is they've, uh, they've just got these mind-blowingly catchy riffs and incredibly mm-hmm. sophisticated drumming. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, yep. isn't it, how, how close this comes to being the definitive Slayer track? It delivers on... I think this track delivers on all counts of the Slayer checklist. Um, yes, and I, I, I don't think I, I don't think it just delivers. I think it fucking over delivers. I knew I liked this track. It's a track that I always look forward to when I listen to seasons. But you know, obviously today in preparation for the episode, I as as is usual, I, I, I lay on the bed of nails for for two hours and just re- repeat the track over and over and over again until. I feel like I'm going absolutely fucking insane. And by the end of that experience, Doc, I still liked it. Um, you know, and, and, and I don't know. <sighs> yeah, it, 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 it surprised me just the level of quality, although it should not. Because, again, just as with... What, what was the track that I, that I talked about? Just how fantastic fun it is to play. The... the, 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 the on this album, um, two tracks oh, ago, I was it two tracks ago? So that would be well, that, that would have been Hallowed Point. So Hallowed Point, yeah, Hallowed Point, you're quite right, Doc. Yeah, Hallowed Point is brilliant to play, and this is just as much fun to play. It is, it is just such a delight to pick up a guitar and play this song, Doc. So I'm going to suggest to you we should make a self correction here, um, and we should, uh, we should suck it up, um, and cop to our mistake. And we do this little exercise from time to time. When people ask you if you had to introduce someone to Slayer who'd never heard Thrax before, mm. I think this is the track you should pick. Really? Yeah. I mean, I can't argue with you. Um, I made an argument for Dead Skin Mask, didn't I, on that count? Well, we did. And the, the thing is, we came to the conclusion that all of the songs that we'd pick, none of them are actually particularly typical mm. or representative. Mm-hmm. Slayer tracks. I mean, the, the, the Slayer have never done anything else that's like Dead Skin Mask, have they? Um, I mean, maybe we've got a couple, you know, maybe three or four coming up, Doc, that you're not familiar with. Um, yeah. I, I mean, the, up until now, the track South of Heaven is the thing that gets closest in terms of tone and, yeah. and, and vibe. Certainly. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. But I mean, mm-hmm. um, if, if you play someone Dead Skin Mask and they loved it, as they should if they wanted to, like, avoid hours of abuse from me. So <laughs> if you played it, and they loved it, which yeah. they should, that would be no guarantee that they would go on to love, um, well, any other Slayer track. Well, I, I suppose, like, the, the track coming in just two weeks' time, Seasons in the Abyss itself, the title track, 
kind of has has like a dead skin mask south of heaven kind of vibe too and that, and that's the same thing is it I mean, you know that that was obviously released as the single for this for this album yeah i mean we'll get on to this in a couple of weeks i yeah. think i think seasons in the abyss the track i think it's the most uh, i think it's the most influential rock track of the 1990s wow well we, we can't can't wait to get to that but you know to take your point you know you know you play that to some random person say, do, do you like that yes i like that doesn't mean you're going to play them like necrophiliac and they're going to like that does it that's right but um i think if you played this track to someone and got them to listen to it many many times or several times and if they turned around to you and said, I'm sorry, I can't get anything from that, you could reasonably say, then you won't, that then you don't like Slayer. You won't like Slayer. You're right, Doc. You're right. Here we go. Let's uh, see what happens next. My way, not have ever won my game. Could survive in play. with your insanity. Cool, Dave Lombardo stops. Tick. You know what's coming, Doc. Um, you know, yes. I, I mean, I assume you were listening to the solo. I Jeff wasn't. Ben Kerry. I, Jeff I Ben Kerry. Hang on, Doc. I wasn't because I was listening to fucking Dave Lombardo going absolutely apeshit on the drums, man. Yo, you had that luxury. I've got work to do here. That's Jeff true. Ben Kerry. Jeff Ben Kerry. Is that your answer? Yes. yes. It's just Kerry. <laughs> it's just Kerry. <laughs> Gracious me. That is Kerry from end to end. Do you want to do it again? Yes, please. I understand why you why you felt there were two solos there because there there is an obvious transition point, isn't it? When, when he suddenly kind of after about twenty seconds, he suddenly hits a he suddenly hits a real high note, and that does sound like a, a transition to a different transition. guitarist. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. Um, here's a few more boxes we can check. Um, we sad we sadly um, can't tick the the Slayer box, which turn which is rapidly turning into a misnomer. Mm-hmm. But according to popular wisdom, there is a box we should be able to tick, which is a 
wailing precisional bluesy solo by Jeff, yeah. followed by a incoherent noisy solo by Kerry. Mm-hmm. Now, um, those are two factoids that everyone quote unquote knows about Slayer. Mm-hmm. Wrong. Well, yeah, evidently, mm-hmm. as, as, as I'm proving week after week. <laughs> week after, after week. week. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> here are some more boxes. Um, in the riff uh, that was being played as you started that last section, after the last bit of commentary, um, Venom Influence. Sure. Tick. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's another box. As close to hardcore as you can get while still being metal. Mm-hmm. Tick. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I... I'm, sti- I'm, I'm sticking with my thesis here, mate. This is as close to the definitive Slayer song as it's possible to get. Wow. I'm fascinated by this, Doc. Only a minute and a half left. Let's, 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 let's see what happens in the upcoming 84 seconds. <laughs> Slayer then go and slam us with possibly the most awesome bit of groove they've yet they've yet devised. That is so fucking brilliant. Oh, it's great, isn't it? Oh, they hit the F, they hit the F power chord, then drop to the E, and then just double strum the fuck out. They get to oh, Doctor Lequestens, I'm all excited. <laughs> I love you when you get in, when, when you just really get off on uh, on, on Slayer like this. You're adorable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go on. Let, let's let's play the track out because we've only got a minute left, and I really need a wee. So I'm going to do it at the same time. Here we go. <laughs> There we go. That was track eight uh, from Seasons in the Abyss, which is Temptation. Doc, only one solo. What do you make of that? I can't think of the last track which only had one solo. Uh, and no, and, and, and nothing from Jeff at all. Nope. Zip, zilch, squat, oh. nada. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to conjecture here. We have already learned, haven't we? This song didn't arise from, but a good chunk of the song arose, aroused from um, a, a bit of a spat between um, Jerry, uh, between Kerry and Tom, um, and maybe Jeff just took a back seat on this one. Yeah, 
didn't want to get involved, basically. You, you know, you guys have at it, and I'll, I'll just play the rhythm, basically. And uh, apart from anything else, um, Dave is such a contributor to the solo parts of the song. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe it didn't need three musicians playing solos. Yeah, that's a really good point, Doc. And, and to me, this is, you know... I mean, Dave is an, obviously an ever-present um, on this album, but oh, I don't know. I think he, 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 he just shines so much in this song. It's hard to explain. Um, it's another really interesting thing about Dave Lombardo is you can, you can practically smell his relationship with the rest of the band from his performance in any mm -hmm. given song. Mm -hmm. I think we passed comment that there are there are a couple of um, tracks on the previous album where it seems like he's 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 had a word with his union rep and his his, his union rep has advised him to work to rule and you know, right. um, don't let the factory supervisor don't don't allow him to accuse you of slacking off or mm -hmm. not pulling your weight but do no more work than is strictly necessary. Well, that's right. Yeah, you know. You know, do this, this, and this just to satisfy your. You know, hit hit the toms eight times. You know, give give a double bass flurry, and you know, write the symbols for for fifteen seconds or so, and keep time. Basically, yeah, that's it. Yeah, and and then you've done your job. Doc, I think this track is absolutely fucking sensational. Yes, it is. So. Let's get into this for a second. Why is it so? Um, why is it so consistently regarded as like a, a, a minor Slayer track, or effectively, what? Why is it not really regarded at all? Just forgotten, and it, I guess it's just maybe it's the the, the the placement on the album. You know, how many people actually get to this point on the album? You know, um, could it be? Um, I'm going to introduce a new expression here in critical theory. Um, I'm going to call it positional prejudice. Mm -hmm. um, oddly enough, this is the slot, since I mentioned it already, this is the slot that's occupied by Kitty Empire on Songs About Fucking. Oh, very good. It, it's the slot that's occupied by fucking dissident aggressor. Mm -hmm. um, the middle of side two is where you bury your weakest track, isn't it? Well, it seems to be, you know, I think we've talked before, you know, track seven and eight, that, that, you know, that's where you... You know, you, that's where you, you, you bury your shit, basically. And, uh, I mean, going into this, I was prepared to say this track likely is the weakest track on this whole album. But mm -hmm. since the whole album is so outstanding, well, that's no disgrace. Um, if I even had to pick the weakest track off this album by the time we get to the end of it, I, I, I would be in a world of trouble. If, if someone said to me, pick the weakest track and then explain to me what's weak about it mm -hmm. explain to me how it lets the side down i would be struggling yeah well the, you know obviously we you know we, we, we've got our kind of running scores to you know to kind of help us when we get to our album overview to think about those kind of things but no i'm with you doc i mean the the, the consistency here is it's it, it it's i mean it's fright it, it is frightening actually um Anything I say about the music, Doc, or should we should we get into the into the into the words and stuff? Well, there's, there's a couple of styles and yeah. a couple of tones and a couple of musical techniques that we haven't heard, I think, since since Hell Awaits, mm. at the very least since Rain and Blood. Um, there's the much less metallic, much more hardcore 
production on the guitars. Mm -hmm. um, the vocals are way up in the mix compared yeah. to the rest of the album. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, borderline overpowering. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that's to achieve that kind of echo effect, isn't it? You need to be able to to hear the echo sufficiently, and then and then the actual main vocal line needs to be significantly louder. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I'm I'm going to chalk them all up as bold but successful choices. Mm. Um, the South of Heaven album was hallmarked by a bunch of bold and unsuccessful yeah. choices. Mm -hmm. um, now I think. Um, Rick Rubin's back in the chair for this album, isn't he? Yes, certainly is. Yeah, um, and I we, we've we've discussed um, that this album appears to benefit from uh, Rocky's rule of crap gems, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's right. Yeah, uh huh. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... The, the worse the, the kind of like the worse the equipment, the uh, the better the performance. Yeah, almost exactly. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, and. So we've we've seen a resurgence of like a, a, a couple of stylistic touches and a couple of production decisions. There's no way they're not decisions. A couple of production decisions that have been absent for really quite a long time. And um, yeah, um, right decisions on the right track at the right time. Very good, Doc. Very good. Let's move on. Welcome to part three of the show. Here we're going to go through the lyrics and talk about them. Um, What's the second show called? It's called Evil Speak, Doc. Yeah, yes, it is. <laughs> From time to time, yeah. <laughs> um, do you want to kick us off, Doc? First eight lines, please, if you would. Have you ever felt the need to see more than you can see? Look into uncertainty, reflections of treachery. Would you leave the world behind? Endless life is here to find. I can interest you in lies. Sell your soul for all it buys. Very good. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it, it's the devil, isn't it? Making like a deal with somebody. It's some, it's, it's, it's some kind of like Faustian pact, isn't it? Um, there's an interpretation of it, which I'm not going to mention now. I'm going to save it for the episode on um, the track "Seasons in the Abyss." Wow. Okay. Um, I'm going to. I, I'm not saying this is the interpretation or the definitive one or the only one. Um, just like the track "South of Heaven," I think it's about revolution. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to stop there, and we'll pick this up again when we get to a track that's much less ambiguously about that subject. Yeah. Uh, Isn't it interesting? I think that the, like the, the the quality of lyrics on this album, certainly, I think also South of Heaven, and then the occasional track on Raining Blood. I mean, you know, Angel of Death would be a standout. Raining, Raining Blood would be a standout. Um, but it, it, to me, it, 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 it's almost like the the better Slayer are at writing their lyrics, it's almost like the harder it is to, to talk about them because the subject matter, I think this, this album, 
is the most guilty so far of it. The subject matter of the tracks is so kind of blindingly obvious. It kind of almost leaves us no, or, 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 or it gives us a lesser scope to speculate. Yeah, precisely. Um, I, I mean, it's this is what me, this is what people really mean when they talk about the crisis of confidence. That mm-hmm. um, when 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 in critical theory, when you use the expression "the crisis of confidence," most people automatically assume that you are um, you are normally confident, and suddenly your confidence is shaken because of a crisis or causing a crisis. The, what the crisis of confidence actually means is when you get good enough at something. And when you have, let's say, the lyrical skill or the skill in poetry or the skill in prose or the skill in music or the skill in painting to actually express what it is that you want to express, you have this moment of imposter syndrome that, and you find yourself going, um, but what if people understand what I'm really talking about? And mm-hmm. what if it suddenly turns out to be not so interesting? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what the crisis of confidence it's your confidence and your ability causing a crisis i don't think it causes a crisis in slayer so you're saying this is like a fundamental misunderstanding of that expression in 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 a similar way to like you know the the expression survival of the fittest is is constantly misunderstood yeah or um uh, begging the question Begging the question, yeah, that, that, that was the exact other example I had, I had in my mind, Doc. Yeah. yeah. Um, so um, that's precisely what I meant. It, yeah. It's, it's a misunderstanding of the expression crisis of confidence. Mm-hmm. As you know, I found the lyrical content of particularly album one endlessly fascinating. Um, I mean, a, a just absolutely insane assemblage of... Um, I'm going to say like borderline Smithsian teen angst mm. and um, wonky politics mm-hmm. and Satan. Yeah. Um, I, I tell you what, Doc, it's been fucking weeks since you've spotted any gay panic. Uh, well, it, I never go looking for stuff like mm. this. I didn't go looking for it on that first album, but it, it, if you'll excuse the expression, it was so cock obvious. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if they're going to ram it down your throat, Doc, what are you going to do? Well, it, it, it just stuck out like a pimple on the arse. There we go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't swallow all of it. Um, Very good. And, in fact, I just shut some of it straight the way out. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Um, Any more? But, you done? Uh, but, um, <laughs> you know, some of, it, um, some of it just pinned me up against the wall. Um, and I had no choice. I just had to smile and bite the pillow. Oh, yeah, yeah. he's not done yet. He's not, listen, dear listener, he'll be done in a bit. Just let him get it out of his system. <laughs> um, um, can we flag this episode as the one with our worst attempts at humour ever, ever, ever? Yeah. Um, but you're right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm by no means done yet. Mm. Um, and on the strength of that first album, neither was Kerry. Mm. Um, <laughs> Uh, and yeah, so I mean, all kinds of because the lyrics, frankly, weren't very good. It wasn't just that they weren't very good in a moon June way; they were not very good in a really interesting way. Um, in the way that overexcitable young men who've got a ton of ideas in their heads that they just can't keep from belching out all over the mm-hmm. lyric sheet. Mm-hmm. Um, but. 
yeah, it's taken us 10 minutes to get round to me saying yes mm-hmm. to your conjecture from a little while ago. <laughs> um, the better Slayer get, the less room there is for interpretation. It, 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 and that's not a bad thing, really, you know, because it, it, it's just demonstrative of a group of artists, I suppose, you know, just developing their craft and, and, and just getting better and better and better at it. And that's no bad thing. Doc, I'm going to hit with the, the three lines from the chorus, or what is ostensibly the chorus. Um, play with your insanity, shatter your reality, pulsing in your blood. So what's pulsing there, Doc? What, what, what do you, I mean, the first two lines are pretty clear, but what's pulsing in the blood? Well, uh... I don't know much about the personal recreational habits of, of, of Slayer, but mm. um, if it was any other band, um, I wouldn't help. I, I, I'd have to draw the conclusion it was a reference to heroin. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, like that, that, that whole triplet right there. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, that's, that's a subject that seemingly all rock and roll bands feel the need to write a song about sooner or later. Are you suggesting, Doc, and it, it, and it is something that I flirted with, is it possible that this track is kind of Slayer's Master of Puppets? a very good point mm. mm-hmm. yeah you know the title suggests it yeah are they kind of invoking satanic devilish kind of imagery but really every time they're talking about satan and the devil here they're actually talking about a dealer um so this has many many precedents in heavy metal um the song the wizard by black sabbath mm-hmm. um I can't. Um, is it is it corrosion of conformity who had the um, uh, the album Make Your Choice? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know that. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not really au fait with uh, the back catalogue of Cock. Who's spotting gay panic when it isn't really there? Well, there we go, Dad. Yeah. Uh, right. Um, that's one for Chow next week. I'm going to have mm, to go and have it a look is. at that. Yeah, you're right. Um, we've we've had a Slayer song before, haven't we? Which is superficially about satan but we determined we, we decided it was actually about gambling mm-hmm. um we've met that one before um so i mean it, yeah uh, i think there's a distinct possibility it's i think i think it's a flirtation i don't i don't think it's like a clear illusion i think it's a flirtation i i think what they're doing here is they're kind of putting the two ideas kind of meshing the two ideas together because some of the lines don't make sense that it would that, that, that it's about um like a dealer i can satisfy your greed oh in fact doc do you want to hit us with the next eight lines and then, then and then we can talk about it this in more detail I can't- 
I can satisfy your greed, for now all your debts are free. I have all eternity to quench all the death I breed. Yay, Kerry. Recreate the rules of play. From now things are done my way. None have ever won my game, crucified them all in flames. Yes. I don't think there's any line there that couldn't apply just as well to heroin addiction as it could to doing yeah, it. Is that second line? From now, all your debts are free. That doesn't don't, make sense, does it, Doc? Don't all dealers sell you stuff at a reduced price or just hand it out to you until you're well under? Well, but, but it, it's for now, isn't it? For yeah. now, not from now. Yes, yeah. I, I misread that, Doc. I, I thought it was saying from now. But for now, yeah, for now, yeah, for now, whatever, have what you want. Yeah, Doc. Yeah, yeah. we're onto something here, aren't we? Um, this is really funny. Listeners, we did not plan this, but after just conjecturing at length about how nowadays there's no ambiguity to Slayer tracks at all, it's very, very obvious what they're about, um, then suddenly we run into the most lyrically ambiguous song for that, that Slayer have written for the last three albums. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, yeah. Would you like to read out the next verse? We'll, we'll, we'll see where that takes us. Have you ever danced with the devil? Have a patient in the summertime? Ever put your name in blood? Let the peasant song swallow you. When you stand under full moonlight, the attraction never rises you. Have you ever wondered why it's like the evil you're attracted to? Here we go. Have you ever danced with the devil? Has temptation ever summoned you? Ever penned your name in blood? Let possession slowly swallow you. When you stand under full moonlight, the attraction mesmerises you. Have you ever wondered why it seems that evil you're attracted to? Now, I mean, here, you see, I, I think that, 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 that second verse, um, that's the druggy bit. And, and, and now we're into the, like the you know, the, the same shit, basically. Yeah. So, um, as we've mentioned in our What Have You Been Listening To slots, um, I've been listening to a bit of Steely Dan recently, mm -hmm. and they've got a lyrical technique whereby they will use three... Ver they'll, they'll, they'll write three verses, um, each of which are vignettes of people having comparable experiences in different situations. Mm -hmm. um, so, Rashimon as... As music, are we talking here? No, um, it's it's not the same thing three, seen by oh, three I see. different people. I see, um, okay, so it's, it's not perspectives, yeah. It's three different people having three different but relatable experiences. Got yeah. So there's there's a track they do, and the first verse is about um, a cowboy who makes a mistake and gets hung. The mm -hmm. second mistake is um, about a middle-aged slub who makes the same mistake and something bad happens to him. And the third line is about um, a, a, a guy who swears blind that he's never gambling ever in his life and then makes the mistake of going on a road trip to Las Vegas. Um, <clears throat> and so you, you, you get these, these, these two little vignettes of three different people who all make the same mistake and all come a cropper. And then at the end, you get the narratorial voice <clears throat> um, that pulls it all together for you. And that's what you've got. Assuming I'm right, assuming you've got this, this first verse, which is, um, and I, I can't reveal too much. And besides, we don't have time. I think it's about revolution. Okay. The second verse, I think, is about drugs. Mm -hmm. And then the third verse, this is the narratorial voice. This mm -hmm. is Satan, oblique stroke, Tom, mm. um, drawing, drawing the vignettes together. 
um, this album would have been being written the year that the first Tim Burton Batman film came out, wouldn't it? What do you do for a living? Lieutenant, is there a six-foot bat in Gotham City? Nice outfit. You look fine. I didn't ask. I have given a name to my pain. What are you? I'm Batman. Where did he get those wonderful toys? My life is really complex. Winged freak terrorizes. Wait till they get a load of me. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Um, it, it, it's 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 got these. Uh, it, it, it contains these two lines of um, of Jack Napier's. Well, have you ever danced with the devil? I mean, th- th- that is the Batman line, isn't it? Yeah. Um, in the pale moonlight. In the pale moonlight. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I'm not sure that's a coincidence. Mm. And when you stand under the full moon, and then we've got a call back to Deadskin Mask. Mm-hmm. Um, the attraction mesmerizes you. Uh, I, I mean, that's listeners. We were talking off camera about this earlier on. Um, have you ever wondered why it seems evil? It, it, it's evil you're attracted, and that's something straight out of a cheesy Italian horror film, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about uh, it. I mean, if if that doesn't refer to uh, Lena Rome, um masturbating um, in a ruined abbey whilst pouring blood on her tits, <laughs> then it damn well should do because, yeah. like, literally everything in the world should refer to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, 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 the doc there is just. Um... Re- referring to pretty much every DVD in his collection. So don't worry, listeners, if you didn't understand that reference. Yeah. I think anyone who's ever seen Cradle of Filth cover art will recognise that reference. Oh, that they were, that they're, they're vampire. I mean, the, that, that, that's <laughs> all you're talking about, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Um, Doc, do you think these lyrics are good? I know that's a base question, but, you know, I think it's valid. Um, I think they're great. Mm. They're the closest. And it, it, it's really, because listeners, I need you to believe this. We didn't plan to have this conversation in the order in which we had it. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the closest we've got. These are the closest we've come to 
um, Show No Mercy era lyrics since that album. Mm -hmm. I think you're probably right. Yeah, I think you're probably right. We've got four lyrics left to go, so I'll hit you with them. Reach out to my hand Step back and touch them Genetic wasteland Reach out to my hand, step back in time's sand, genetic wasteland, far beyond death. Yeah, there we go. You, you, you know, um, obviously, no need to reference the uh, the pensman at work there. Um, but um, I mean, since we're just talking about Italian horror films. Isn't this a summation of the last five minutes of The Beyond? You are Eliza, aren't you? Yes. My name is Emily. I've been looking for you. came from and hurry leave this place sixty years ago everybody in this hotel disappeared every last person called Spike, who lived here, closeted in his room, had found a key. Tell me, with all those accidents, you think you'll um, give it up now? I couldn't do that if I wanted to. Well, I won't give in. Nobody here. I can feel a presence. Somebody else is in here. Oh, some weird story that Emily told me about room 36. Emily? Who's Emily? The blind girl that lives in the old house by the crossroads. was constructed on one of this
Woe be unto him who opens one of the seven gateways to hell, because through that gateway evil will invade the world. Well, the, the, uh, the little girl, because there's always a mysterious little girl. Mm. Um, that's, the, that, that's, that's the little girl that we, we, we kind of meet in real life, but she seems to dwell inside a picture, right? Yes, that's yeah. right. Mm -hmm. um, and she takes the, 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 the heroine's hand mm. um, and then because it's Lucio Fulci, anything re resembling plot or logic stops happening. Huh. Um, and... Um, the whole world's turned into like a, a, a featureless desert with some bones and skulls in it. Oh, that's right. Yes, I forgot um, about that. Yeah, and then, right. and, and then mercifully, the heroine goes blind as well. Mm -hmm. If you, if, listeners, if you if you have not watched the Beyond by now, with our recommendations, I mean, we, we can only say it so many times, can't we, Doc? Good lord, do yourself do yourselves a favour. Go and watch it. Well, just. If you've never watched anything by Lucio, if you haven't watched everything by Lucio Fulci, mm. watch more Lucio Fulci. That's yeah, all there is. Yeah, yeah. New York Ripper is his personal favourite of mine, by the way. What do you want? To dedicate a murder to you. Somebody called for you. Yeah, who? The guy with a strange voice. Said he'd call you back. He sounded just like a duck. Just like a duck? The guy who attacked you is our friend who calls and talks like a duck. Well... He's made his first big mistake. Yeah. Anyway, we've got all five boroughs alerted, and we'll also inform all the radio stations. Shouldn't be too hard to find a guy missing two fingers in his right hand. Nasty as fuck. Um, I, um, um, I had to break to do this idiocy with you. Um, I'm watching Strip Nude for Your Killer at the moment. Oh, very good. <laughs> mm -hmm. Was a um, a recommendation for a, 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 for a Christmas film that someone made. Um, I'm looking for a good Christmas film this year. Watch Strip Need for Your Killer by Lucio Fulci. It's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely brilliant. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically, it's a return of a turn of classic Slayer influences and song subject matters. Um, I've missed them. I really enjoy Slayer. I, I'm, I'm really proud of Slayer when they get better and better at writing lyrics. Mm -hmm. And I understand everyone's urge to mature and to take on more serious and more complex subjects. Um, but, you know, just sometimes you need a bit of Satan. And It's just fun, isn't it, Doc? You know, again, yes. I, I think you mentioned um, uh, during the Spirit in Black episode... Um, 
although maybe that was maybe that maybe maybe, maybe we're talking about that in, like during the lost episode of Spirit in Black. Unfortunately, oh no, it, it's possible. But 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 you were definitely talking during one of those recordings um, about you know for the first time in ages, Slayer felt fun in Spirit in Black, and and, and yeah. I think the same is true with this track. Well, this is how far you know. This is how you know how far down the road of degeneracy I've got. Um, you can't be, you can't be offended by Satan and human sacrifice, can you? Um, it can't really get on you. I mean, um, too much stuff about the Holocaust and serial killers um, and mental illness gets me depressed. There's only so much of it I can take. Um, but because Satan and human sacrifice and demons aren't actually real. Mm. Well, uh, human sacrifice was real at one point. Not anymore, I suppose, but... Shh! Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but, but the point's still taken, Doc. The point is taken. Uh, should we move on to the last part of the show? What do we reckon? I need them, I need them to think it's not real. Ah, yes. I need them. I, I need them to not believe that it happens. Fair enough. Idiot. Yeah. Sorry, Doc. Yeah. yeah. What, what was I fucking thinking? Yeah. Let's move on. Welcome to part four of the show. Here we're just going to give you our final thoughts and summations. You know the score by now, guys. Uh, writing credits here. Music by Kerry King and lyrics, of course, by. Kerry King. I say, of course, in, you know, well, you know, you know. Um, <laughs> according to Setlist, this was played 130 times only, Doc, putting it in a rather pathetic 48th position. Um, according to Loudwire, what do you make of this, Doc? They put this. Well, I'm not going to tell you actually where they put it. I'm going to read the description first and, and then I will reveal. Um, where they place it. A disagreement in the studio over the placement of Araya's vocal lines led to one of the more interesting tracks in Slayer's discography as far as its arrangement. The repeated lines, brackets, one of them buried a bit in the mix, close brackets, add a sense of paranoia to temptation. While it's a formidable track and certainly does no wrong, it's hampered by a formulaic approach, vocal bit aside. Blistering, question mark, hardly. Still solid, question mark, you bet. Where do you think they place that, Doc? Now, bear in mind, this is out of 118 tracks. Um, Loudwire and uh, metal journalism in general can really, really confuse me sometimes. Um, I, I sometimes, and, and this goes back to the days of Terrorizer, I can really lose track of whether the words that people are writing are meant as praise or damnation. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to take a leap in the dark and say that they rank this really, really low, like mm -hmm. sub 100. Not sub 100, but they put it in 85th position. I, 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 yeah. I just find it baffling, Doc. Absolutely baffling. I, I, I don't know how that's possible. I, I, know that I know that rankings don't really matter. Classify, it doesn't really matter. But at the same time, if you want me to take you seriously... There's a really weird thing which happens a lot in genre journalism. Um, and 
journalists will take it upon themselves to rank low things that are known to have had, for instance, a treble production um, uh-huh. or um, uh, have, what should we say, bloopers in them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I, I've, I've read like bits of film criticism where, um, for instance, there's five frames where um, you can see the cameraman reflected in a plate glass window or, sure. the, mi- or, or the microphone boom. <clears throat> pops up at the top Just of the screen. Just getting the shot, basically, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that... Don't they that, call it the gate, Doc? It's called the gate, isn't it? Like, past the gate, basically. It, yeah. like, it, in TV and film, they say, you know, past the gate, check the gate. And, and, and what they're doing there is they are looking for the top line, the bottom line, and the left and right line of the shot, aren't they? Making sure that nothing invades, basically. Yeah, um, I think it's often to do with whether they plan to release a film in scope or widescreen. Yeah, of course. Um, and the so effectively the depth of the black lines at the top and the bottom. Yeah, changes. Uh-huh. So if if you plan to release in widescreen, your gate would be much deeper. You, sure. You'd have a much deeper band of black. Mm-hmm. But if you end up releasing in scope or um, anamorphic or sixteen by nine or something. You'll use a, you'll use almost the whole entire frame, and then mm. stuff that you didn't plan on getting into frame. Um, but in any case, I I, I know there are films. Um, Clue. Every person in this room has the perfect motive. Stand back for murder. What do you mean, murder? But only one of these suspects is the murderer. Is it the timid Mr. Green? Or the militant Colonel Mustard. If I was the killer, I would kill you next. Huh? Except if. If. Mrs. White, who helped her husband on his way. What's well, a matter of life after death? Now that he's dead, I have a life. Ah! Miss Scarlet, who's helped many men along the way. Practice makes perfect. Huh. Professor Plum, who's looking for a way. I'm looking, I'm looking. Mrs. Peacock. I have absolutely no idea what we're doing here, but I am determined. Um, is a famous one where the, the, the microphone um, makes its uh, its appearance. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but then so is um, I Drink Your Blood. The biggest, bloodiest horror show in history. I Drink Your Blood. Men become animals and eat their victims. I drink your blood. A young boy infects an entire town with rabies turns a group of men into a band of bloodthirsty zombies ravaging a peaceful countryside. <laughs> I drink your blood will make your blood curdle and your skin crawl. Um, and people will like use that as not an excuse, but certain reviewers will um, regard that, which I don't even notice, 
or I smile at and go, yeah, because they're making a fucking film and human yeah. beings make You twat. Yeah. Um, but people will, like, downgrade that by 90%. <laughs> um, pe- people look for... People apply very different criteria for criticism than I do, and it, it gets especially strange with metal. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if this one gets such a low score because it's well known that it's the product of a troubled development. To me, that's like a joyous thing, just, just this moment of serendipity that almost like the universe, you know, conspired to cause this kind of confluence of events that produced something that would have, that, 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 was, that clearly is better than it would have been without it. Yeah, definitely. What's wrong? What's wrong with that? Who cares? Who cares where the inspiration, I'll tell, I'll tell you what it is, mate. These, you know, the, the fucking like, music journalists, the, the, you know, they, the, they are, they're, they're just kind of frustrated musicians, aren't they, basically? And so spitting their fucking venom. There's all kinds of people um, who are frustrated musicians or frustrated something. Um, I've never, I personally have never met a music journalist who I think is a frustrated rock star. Mm. Um, I absolutely believe that those people exist. Um, but I mean, you meet like musicians who are frustrated musicians. Mm. Um, we mentioned Steely Dan earlier on. Um, jazz Rock Fusion is the little ghetto where you will encounter most of these people. Um, and it's it's understandable, but it doesn't make it any more forgivable. Those are the people who unquestioningly think that hard work should equate to recognition. Mm-hmm. And everything about them is, don't you realise how long I spent practising? Don't you realise what I went without for, like how long I went without stuff so I could afford this base? Mm-hmm. On the one hand, you want to admire them because... They've invested a ton of their fucking lives in getting that good yeah. and getting that instrument that enables them to take the next step towards being that good. Um, and, you know, you want to say, um, mate, you deserve that alambic bass. Um, I could never play um, as well as you do. I could, I, I could start practicing now and I could do nothing but practice for 30 years and I'd never be as good as you are. So you deserve to own the instrument and I don't deserve to own it. But there managed to be such twats about it. Mm. Um, mm. And they seem like the kind of people who, whose conception of dessert has actually completely ruined their concept of admiration. And you can practically see them snarling through their teeth. Him, him, that guy who's in that band, that should be me. Yeah. That should be me. Yeah. Um, it's poison, man. The, it's, a the irony it's, a, being, it's a fucking cancer in these people's souls, man. And, um, you know. The irony, the irony being the step they're never able to take. They're able to go as far as, I can play that bass line just as well as he can. But the point, the, the part they never get is... Yeah, but you couldn't write it. Right, you can play, yeah. play his, but you can play his bass line. Yeah, probably um, that bass line that he improvised on the spot, or that bass line that he had four hours to prepare for, because um, he was a session musician. Yeah, I bet you, after twenty years of practice, you can play that bass line better than he can, and you, you've got more nuance and you've got more percussiveness in your slap. 
than he has on that track. But you didn't write it, mm-hmm. and you never could. And right. that's why he's working that session with those people, and you're not. <laughs> Doc, you told them, that's for sure. Um, any last thoughts, Doc, before, you, b- before we pronounce? Yeah, just a couple. Um, I just need to reference the beyond again, because I, I need to get something off my chest. Um, listeners, when you watch The Beyond, which you, if you haven't already, you will do, you will do now. <laughs> join um, us. Join us. Separate us. <laughs> um, Very good. <laughs> uh, there are two bits that you absolutely must watch out for. Um, the bit in the maternity hospital where, for some reason, the bed in the maternity hospital has a huge jar of incredibly strong acid on the shelf, the shelf above it, specifically, <laughs> so that the woman, specifically so that the woman in the birthing bed can dislodge the jar of acid and have it pour down onto her face. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's the only possible reason for it being... I'm sure maternity hospitals don't often have a huge flight. I don't think it's regulation equipment, is it, Doc? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, no. Um, it, it's around about the same time. It might even be the same scene. And it, it's got the tarantulas to chirrup. <laughs> um, it's got a, a lot of fucking tarantulas in that scene. And they sort of go... You're just not familiar with the um, the, the Mexican chirping tarantula. That's <laughs> anything, Doc. You sound like a right twat at the moment. And it's also fair to say I've never worked in an Italian maternity hospital. I think. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, let's get a lot. Let's let's get around to marking this bad boy up. Go on then. Um, oh. Go on, duck for names, because I'm slapping my hand here in frustration. Um, This track is, like, it's one of those things that's mathematically perfect. Um, I can't say it isn't mathematically perfect, but uh, it's almost an involuntary action. We're just talking about spiders. It's Mm. the same way that knowing that how spiders are harmless um, and are actually quite placid once handled and if they sense no harm. I can't, br- I can't bring myself to put my hand on a house, but I can't do it. Sure. Every part of my being and my instinct and my soul rebels against it and makes me sweat and makes me feel nauseous. Mm-hmm. And I don't quite go that far, but I can't give 10 out of 10 to this track. The best I can force myself to is 9 out of 10. Nine out of ten requests and swords for the doc. That's fair enough. I mean, obviously, obviously, I'm going ten out of ten. Um, I think I, I think it's a masterpiece. I think it's a masterclass of everything that Slayer do brilliant. You, you, you brought it up, doc. You know, it, it was already in my head anyway. It has every element that that I love about Slayer, present and correct. Um, Dave Lombardo is absolutely on fucking fire in this track. Um, I love the the, the 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 solo is prolonged and absolutely exquisite. Um, the transition out of the solo into that kind of killer we we, we didn't really talk about it actually, but the, 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 that, that, that 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 transition back into this like new killer riff works for me. 
that deep fucking groove when they just hit the F and then just chug on the E. Oh, man. And, and, and just pick a guitar up and play this motherfucker. And then you'll understand why I give it 10 Muldrum muscles out of 10, Doc. It's absolutely I it insane. Uh, I hope you don't think I didn't like it or something. I gave it oh, no, no, no. I'm not, talk- I'm, no I'm not talking <laughs> to you, Doc. I'm talking to the listener. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was talking to the listener there. Um, that's about it, I think, isn't it? Uh, don't forget, guys, you can contact us on Twitter at Vercast or on email at slightlandvercast at gmail.com. Join us next time, which will be track nine, would you believe, Doc? Um, we're, we're, we're blasting through this album. Um, track nine of Seasons in the Abyss, which is, of course, born of fire. See you there, Doc. <laughs>